What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 103, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, June 27, 2020, headlined by Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. This 10-fight car will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, and will start at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Plus and the ESPN TV channel. I am recording this on Thursday afternoon, so we did have a few changes to the fight card this week. Kyle Nelson fell out of his fight versus Sean Woodson and has been replaced by Julian Arosa. We will analyze that fight, and Miranda Maverick has fallen out of her fight against Mauro Romero Barella, and no replacement has been announced for Barella yet. I doubt uh, that there will be a replacement at this point in the week on Thursday, so we will not be analyzing that fight on the card, so we'll be continuing with just 10 fights, and we're going to start things off in the women's strawweight division. We have Jin Yu Frey taking on Kay Hansen. The opening betting line for this one is Hansen minus 175 to Frey plus 150. Right now we are seeing Hansen minus 165 to Frey plus 145. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight. The early action came in on Frey. She was down to about plus 115, 120 at some points. And now the action has been coming back in on Hansen. And I actually tweeted out about two to three days ago a one-unit play on Hansen at minus 135, which is actually the lowest that she's ever been. She was open 175. She got up to 135 for a little bit and has since just steadily dropped back down. So I did get in on Hansen at the perfect time at the best price available. So it's looking like a good bet right now. I did get about 5-6% of value on the line currently. So things are looking good. But the way I see this fight is just it's a one-dimensional grappler in Hansen uh, versus uh, the better well-rounded fighter in Frey but I just don't think that Frey will be able to stop takedowns here I think that Hansen is uh, the bigger fighter Frey is moving up to 115 pounds she typically fights at 105 and she's definitely going to be undersized coming in here and I just have not seen enough takedown defense or ability to get off her back to think that Frey will be able to stop the takedowns or will be able to get off her back versus Hansen. And it's not like Hansen is the most dominant grappler. She loses position a few times when she's on the ground. She's not uh, completely positionally sound on the ground. But I just don't think that Frey will have the technique or the size to, to stop these takedowns and to get off of her back here. So on the feet in this one, I think that Frey is no question the better striker. She probably pieces her up on the feet but it's just going to come down to Hanson getting the takedowns for me I think that she'll hit the takedowns and she'll win with top position but fair warning this fight could look like uh, Chase Hooper versus Alice Caceres where I thought that Hooper would just get the takedowns and kind of avoid the striking but that didn't happen at all Caceres just outboxed him clean outstruck him over the 15 minutes and pretty much dominated Hooper so I could be underrating the striking ability of Frey here, but in the small cage, uh, going up in weight class, and just the fact that she's going to be on her back for a lot of this fight, I, I don't think that the value is on her at the line at this point. So it's probably still going to be Hanson or pass for me at these odds. Maybe look to a live bet Jinyu Frey if Hanson isn't getting takedowns. But as of now, the pick is going to be Hanson by decision, and we could even see a submission from Hanson at some point too. But uh, Frey has survived uh, gra the grappling onslaught from a lot of good grapplers before and not gotten finished, so I think it'll likely hit the cards here. So the official pick is Hanson by decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Jordan Griffin taking on Yusef Zalal. The opening betting line for this one was 
Zalal minus 125 to Griffin plus 105. Right now, the line is the exact same, but there has been two-way action coming in on this fight. I think the early action came in on Griffin, and I was actually able to place my bet on Yusef Zalal at plus 100 for 1.5 units. And Zalal was only an underdog for a short amount of time, maybe uh, 8 hours, 12-hour uh, window, and I was able to get in on him uh, at that time. So that's looking like a good bet now, considering he's now the favorite. And it basically comes down to Griffin just not having a good style to win rounds. He just does not win rounds definitively. He has very bad takedown defense and can get stuck on bottom for long periods of time. And even when he's on the feet, he has some effective offense, but he's pretty sloppy and wild a lot of the time. He gets in wild exchanges where he's winging left hands. But I mean, he's dangerous from the feet for sure. But if I look at this fight, I just think that Law is the more technical fighter in pretty much all aspects of MMA. I think he's the more fluent striker. I think that he showed some good striking in that Lingo debut. Austin Lingo is not really the highest level opponent, but Zalal went in there as a huge underdog and looked very comfortable right away versus Lingo, was outstriking him, hitting takedowns, keeping top position. I mean, Zalal showed a very well-rounded game in that Lingo fight and, and impressed me a lot. So I think that Zalal uh, could hit takedowns here, but he definitely won't be able to keep top position on Griffin. Griffin is very hard to hold down. He's got good submission defense, and I don't think we've seen enough from Zalal to think that he can win this fight with top position, but you got to love the fact that he has those takedowns in his back pocket to just mix up. And that's what he was doing with Lingo. He was outstriking him for most of the rounds, and he would just hit a single leg takedown just to throw Lingo off and to, to dominate the fight even more. So we could see that here. And I think that Zalal will outstrike Griffin on the feet. He might mix in a takedown or two and uh, get some top position to win the rounds. And I just favor Zalal's round winning ability a lot more. I think that Griffin would need uh, either a knockout on the feet or a submission off of his back. And he does get those sometimes. I mean, he is a very good finisher. He m wins most of his fights by finish. But if this one hits the scorecards, if this one uh, ends up having these prolonged striking exchanges, I think that we're going to see that Zalal is the better fighter of the two. So the pick for me is going to be Zalal by decision. It could be a close decision. Uh, it's not going to be a, a dominant performance from Zalal in my opinion but I think that he is the better fighter at this point and uh, has the more potential upside in this fight so I'm going to pick Zalal by decision where the money line is at right now I would say it's probably a pass I got that plus money on Zalal and it's not going to be dominant enough to I think that you can be betting Zalal as a favorite so uh, it's probably going to be a pass in the betting line where it's at now but if Zalal gets back up to an underdog I would look to uh, to bet him if I were you so once again the pick is Zalal by decision the next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Takashi Sato taking on Ramiz Brahimov. The opening betting line for this one was Sato minus 185 to Brahima plus 145. Right now we are seeing Sato minus 125, Brahima plus 105. So much more action coming in on the underdog Brahima. And he seems to be a popular pick uh, this week amongst betters. And I don't think I understand it, to be honest. I think that Brahima... He's a very muscular, uh, aggressive guy early. He tends to use a lot of energy, going for big knockouts and takedowns and submissions in round one, but he consistently slows down after round one. He's gassed out in fights before, and he's not lost badly when he gassed out. I mean, he still contended uh, with that with cuts when he fought him and, and gassed out, uh, but he did lose that decision, I believe. And I just don't think we've seen enough from Brahima to think that he can compete with Sato uh, coming in here uh, in his UFC debut. 
Uh, he fights out of Fortis MMA. He does not seem to have good striking defense at all. And I think that on the feet, we're going to see Sato being the better striker. And he's probably going to find a home for that left hand pretty consistently. It might even knock Brahima out. Now, Brahima does like to go for takedowns and submissions, and Sato has been susceptible to getting taken down and getting his back taken. He did get choked out in his last fight by uh, Bilal Muhammad. He got taken down and not wrestled for the majority of that fight, so... Brahima is definitely going to look to implement the same game plan to take uh, Sato down and try to get a finish. But I just haven't seen enough reliable takedowns, good top control, or solid submission game from Brahima to pick him here. And I think that uh, Sato actually withstands that early grappling uh, onslaught and is able to uh, not get submitted, stay off of his back, make it into the later rounds where he should be the fresher fighter, and likely finish Brahima in rounds two or three. And the most confident bet in this one for me is the under 2.5. I did bet it at minus 130. And I think that that covers the most possible outcomes for this fight. I think that if Brahima wins, it's likely going to be by a finish in rounds one or two. And I think that uh, if Sato wins, it's likely going to be a finish in rounds two or three. There's always a slight chance this goes to the scorecards. And the most uh, likely way it goes to the scorecards is just Sato being uh, a little too complacent. Maybe he just doesn't go for that finish. Maybe he's content to outstrike Brahima at a, in a low output uh, decision and win the last two rounds. But from what I've seen from Sato, he goes for the kill. I mean, he has uh, most of his wins are by finish. Most of his wins have come in the first and second round. Same with Brahima too. So I think that uh, I'm pretty confident in the under 2.5 rounds in this one. It's still minus 135. I think that's a pretty solid bet for, for how these two match up. And in terms of a pure pick goes, I'm going to go with Sato round two knockout. But not playing Sato money line, even though it's a bit appealing at only minus 125. And I, I don't get the Brahima action either. I think that he's a little too raw, powerful, and athletic and just has not shown the proper skill to be a bet here in his UFC debut, even though he's fighting a beatable fighter in Sato. So the pick for me is the under 2.5 rounds in terms of a bet, and the official pick is going to be Sato round two knockout. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Tanner Bosser taking on Felipe Linz. The opening betting line for this one was... A minus 115 pick em on both sides. And right now we are seeing Bosser minus 115, Linz minus 105. So there is a pretty much a pick em fight from, from the jump, and it's remained a pick em. We've seen both guys bounce up from minus 115, minus 110, minus 105. I think the more action is probably coming in on Tanner Bosser, but it's really hard to tell. I think the people are betting both sides of this fight, and for a good reason. It's going to be a close decision. Both guys are strikers. They both have a decent output. I think Bosser has solid output. And Linz, his output in that last fight, his debut against Andre Arlovsky, was actually very poor. He slowed down heavily after round one and was able to lose that fight. He lost that fight 30-27 on two scorecards. So Linz came in fresh off a win in the PFL. He was a minus 200 favorite versus Andre Arlovsky. People were really high on him. And then he kind of shit the bed in that debut, gassed out after round one and lost that fight decisively versus Andre Arlovsky. And Andre Arlovsky is kind of a, a, a litmus test at this point. He fights most heavyweights on the roster, and most of the heavyweights pass that test if they want to succeed in the UFC. 
And the guys who lose to Arlovsky tend to not succeed and end up having a, a rough next couple of fights. So I think it's very possible that uh, Felipe Lins left, left the best of his career back in PFL, and he's maybe not the same fighter he once was. He definitely looked slower, less powerful, um, slower in terms of his speed and his strikes too i mean he just looked very underwhelming in that fight and uh tanner Bosser, i think has actually impressed me in his ufc debut or his ufc fight so far only two fights he out kickboxed uh, daniel spitz to a dominant decision was lighting up his lead leg with inside leg kicks outboxing him good steady output through all three rounds and he was soundly beaten by Cyril Gain in his last fight, but he stayed tough. He competed with Gain. Uh, it was a, a kickboxing fight for most of the fight, and Bosser was not completely outgunned. So I think that uh, Bosser has shown more in the UFC than Linz has, and I think that he matches up pretty well with Linz here. I think that leg kicks are going to be landing for Bosser. It's probably going to be a pretty even boxing exchanges between the two, and I just got to favor the output of Tanner Bosser throughout the three rounds. I think he's the more consistent uh minute winner he's going to be uh having more consistent volume throughout the three rounds and i think that that reason alone is a good enough reason to pick him here i'm in no rush to bet the money line in this fight because it's going to be a close decision i could see the fight going either way on the scorecards uh, it could be you know 20 20 strikes to 15 strikes in every round and we think the bosser should win every round but it's going to be up in the air and the judges could see it either way but the bet, the bet for me in this fight is actually going to be the goes the distance i placed 1.5 units on goes the distance at minus 168 and i believe the bet the line right now is at minus 210 yeah so i i got a considerable amount of value on it and the only real concern is it is heavyweight it is the small cage it's it's going to be striking between the two I mean, the, the knockout is entirely possible but i have not seen too much power from either guy Each, uh, both of them are pretty durable and i don't think that knockout is very likely at all here so I think this fight hits the scorecards. I think it's very close, but I think that Tanner Bosser does enough to win the, the fight in the eyes of the judges and uh, wins the fight by decision. So the pick is going to be Tanner Bosser by decision. The next fight is in the lightweight division. We have Luis Pena taking on Kama Worthy. The opening betting line for this one was Pena minus 242, Worthy plus 205. Right now we are seeing Pena minus 232, or the plus 190 so surprisingly two-way action coming in on this fight Pena was actually a bit more of a favorite at minus 270 at some points but Kama Worthy has been getting some action in the past few days and honestly I'm pretty surprised by it Kama Worthy came into his UFC debut as a plus 600 underdog uh, versus Devonte Smith and had a very low output striking fight. It wasn't landed much and then landed a nice counter left hook and knocked uh, Smith out as a huge underdog. But that's really all the success that we've seen from him in the UFC. We have not seen him tested. We have not seen much of his game at all. And from what we've seen on his regional tape, the man has a lot of flaws. I mean, his defensive boxing is not very good. He tends to get hit a lot. He's been knocked out a lot of times throughout his career. Does not have the best takedown defense and does not have a reliable defensive grappling. And for me to pick him against Luis Pena, I got to know that he can stuff takedowns. I got to know that he can get off of his back. And he just has not shown uh, that he's able to do any of that. So I think that Pena is the rightful side in this one. Even at minus 230, I think that there's actually some value on Luis Pena at those odds. 
I mean, I was actually considering betting Pena at minus 270 a few days ago, and now that I see the action is coming in on Worthy, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued, and if Pena gets under 2-1, to one, I will definitely place a bet on him. And might even end up on Pena at minus 230 if it stays there, because I think he has a, a, a plethora of advantages in this fight. I think he is the better striker, despite you know Worthy getting that knockout in his first UFC fight. I still think that Pena is the better striker. He has good leg kicks, good straight punches. He's not the, the, the greatest striker, but I think that he is better than Worthy and has outstruck and competed with better strikers in the UFC so far. And the ground game is where I really favor Pena. The guy has solid takedowns, good back takes, good control on the ground. And I think that that's really where he dominates this fight is with the takedowns, probably getting a back take at some point. Pena gets a lot of back takes. He's not the greatest finisher from the back, but he does keep the control for a long time. I mean, the Steve Garcia fight, his most recent fight, he just easily got takedowns, put him in the the body triangle and just kept him there for the majority of the fight so i think that that is a pretty similar outcome that happens here Payne gets takedowns gets back takes gets dominant position on the ground and wins the fight via decision is my pick i think i don't think that i've seen enough uh finishing ability from Payne to think that he gets the finish here but it's it's entirely possible that he gets a submission over worthy too so Maybe Kamaworthy gets a striking knockout of, at some point. It would really surprise me if he did, uh, but that does seem like his best best path to victory. So if you want to play a worthy knockout or paying your money line, I think that's a bit, uh, a good way to cover both sides of this fight because I would be shocked to see Worthy win a decision, and it's pretty much impossible for him to win by submission as well. So... The pick for me is going to be Pena by decision, and like I just mentioned, Pena money line worthy knockout is a solid way to play this fight. The next fight is in the featherweight division. We have Sean Woodson taking on Julian Arosa. The opening betting line for this one was Woodson minus 375 to Arosa plus 310. Right now we are seeing Woodson minus 490 to Arosa plus 330, so more action coming in on the heavy favorite Sean Woodson in this one. Arosa is getting a third chance at the UFC. He's been cut two times before, but coming in on here in short notice, he's going to get another opportunity. But sadly for Arosa, I don't think this fight goes well for him at all. But it's interesting to see that Woodson is more of a favorite over Arosa than he was versus Nelson. I think Arosa's style and his frame, he's a very uh, tall, lanky guy similar to Woodson, could make this a little bit more difficult of a matchup for Woodson. I think he might have a hard time uh, a harder time connecting with his punches and his knees versus a tall, lanky guy like Arosa. But Arosa has never had very good striking defense, has gotten knocked out a, a lot of times throughout his career, and I don't think that he will be able to avoid the striking of Woodson here. Woodson just looked fantastic in his UFC debut against Kyle Bochniak was lighting him up with straight punches, good backwards and lateral movement, was landing hard, uh, you know, jumping knees and clinch knees and all types of stuff like that. It really impressed me. I don't think that we've seen uh, a complete game from Woodson yet. I think that he still has to be tested against some some tougher fighters to think he's the real deal, but I think that he looks very promising and likely gets a, a pretty easy victory here versus Julian Arosa. But in the betting window where it's at now, it, it's dogger pass all day. I mean, we saw last week versus Frank Camacho is... Camacho was supposed to fight, and he had an, op an opponent with Matt Frivola. Matt Frivola fell out, and Justin James came in on short notice, and James just went for the knockout. He started the fight knowing he had little chance to win the fight, was super aggressive, took the fight, took Camacho, and knocked him out in round one. 
And it's always possible for that to happen in these short notice fights. I mean, this fight was thrown together on a few days notice. Orosa's coming in here with nothing to lose. Woodson has an entirely different matchup than he did a few days ago. Uh, it's a clear pass fight in terms of the betting window. I wouldn't even put Woodson in a parlay at minus 500, but I am expecting him to get a, a, a victory here. It could be by knockout, but it likely goes to the decision, in my opinion, because I don't think Woodson has incredible power. Uh, he was rocking uh, Botchniak over and over again and wasn't able to get the finish. Uh, I mean, Botchniak's extremely tough, but I just don't think Woodson was too interested in chasing the finish in that fight. So I think the decision is the most likely way the fight ends, and it's going to be a Woodson decision pick for me. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Maurice Green taking on John Vellante. The opening betting line for this one was Green minus 215 to Vellante plus 185. Right now, we are seeing green minus 230 to Volante plus 190. So, the more action coming in on Maurice Green. And I understand why. He's the, the natural heavyweight. He has fought a heavyweight before. He's going to have a 5-inch height advantage and a 6-inch reach advantage over John Volante here. Volante has also not fought in a while. Only one fight in his past like two years, I believe. And it was a, a knockout via body shots in round one. Did not look good in that fight. He was slow. Uh, did not really see the punches of Ola Jacek coming. Was at a massive speed disadvantage. And I guess that's a, a good reason for him to move up. I mean, if he was so outgunned by a smaller and faster guy in that fight versus uh, Ola Chechuk, he might have some success moving up to heavyweight where the guys are just as slow and plodding as Volante is. But if this fight stays in the feet and it's just a pure kickboxing match, I think Volante will actually compete. He is a pretty consistent striker. He's had he has actually good volume throughout the three rounds. Um, he tends to have low output, you know, low intensity decision type of fights. But I think that that fight can honestly suit him here, and he could give Green some problems with his boxing, uh, with his leg kick possibly. But Green is going to be using that front kick of his, those his leg kicks and his own straight punches. And if Green is able to use his reach advantage and his size advantage here with the strikes I just mentioned, those those long strikes where he can use that that uh, height and reach advantage. I think the Green should outstrike Volante pretty easily here. It's not the most confident pick because Green just hasn't shown that consistency to think that he will just deal with Volante in, a, in an efficient way. He did have one very dominant performance over Albini where he was using his front kick and his jab consistently and was able to get the knockout in round one. We might see him do that here versus Volante, but I think it's much more likely that it's pretty low output. It ends up going into the later rounds, and it probably hits the scorecards, to be honest. And I think that Volante could compete on over the, the decision, over the 15 minutes. He might be able to win some minutes. He might have some close moments. And I think that it'll be enough or a bit, it'll be close enough of a decision to think that uh, the passing on green minus 200 was a safe play. I think that it's probably dog or pass where the line sits at now, although I'm going to pick green by TKO or decision. I just don't think that the Volante will be able to negate that size and that reach disadvantage uh, throughout the fight. So it's darker pass for me, but the pick is going to be green by decision. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Brendan Allen taking on Kyle Dockhouse. The opening betting line for this one was Allen minus 250, Dockhouse plus 210. Right now we are seeing Allen minus 300 to Dockhouse plus 250. So more action coming in on Brendan Allen in this one. 
Uh, he actually went down to a pretty sizable minus 360 favor, but then some action came back in on Dockhouse. And I think that the line is, is wide right now where it sits. I think these two are very similar fighters to one another. Both of them don't have much uh, effective striking on the feet. They're both definitely primarily grapplers. And I noticed a lot of similarities between their grappling styles. And most of their similarities revolve around the fact that neither of them are very positionally sound. They both like to attack submissions over positions a lot of the time. And what that means is you don't have a, a, a dominant position on the ground and you go for a risky submission and you might end up losing that submission. You might lose it and end up on your back and lose the round or get submitted by your own uh, self. And we see this consistently throughout their fights. We saw it in Allen's fight versus Kevin Holland in his UFC debut. We saw it in a lot of Doc his fights uh, throughout the the CFFC promotion. So the way I see this fight is both of them are very similar to one another. They both have similar path to victories. And with their sloppy grappling style, I think it's very likely that this fight is a back and forth grappling fight. They both take each other's back at some point. They have each other mounted. They go for close submissions. And the scorecards could be all over the place. They could be hard rounds to score. And I think there's actually a chance that both of them are, are good enough defensive grapplers where they kind of cancel each other out. We don't see a submission from either one. And it ends up hitting the scorecard and being a very close fight and if it's a close fight hitting the scorecards that plus 250 is going to be the value side more often than not I completely understand why Allen is the favorite here he has the UFC wins and had a nice victory over Tom Brees in his last fight who's a solid grappler of his own and I actually think that Allen has shown the better wrestling and the better striking of the two. He does have some some knockouts via striking on his record, and I think he's the harder and more effective striker on the feet than Dockhouse. Dockhouse tends to be very limited and low output on the feet, and is primarily just looking to set up his takedowns, while I think that Allen can actually strike a little more effectively of the two. So I understand why Allen is the favorite. I think that he should be around minus 200 at worst, and I think that there is actually a pretty considerable amount of value on Dockhouse money line, and especially Dockhouse by decision, which is at almost plus 600 earlier in the week. So I have one unit on Dockhouse plus 270 and a half a unit on Dockhouse decision at plus 605. And I'll probably limit that that action a little bit, probably reduce it to like a half a unit on Dockhouse and keep the half a unit on decision as well. Because I do think that Allen wins the decision in this one by just being uh, on top more, being the more uh, effective grappler in the eyes of the judges. But it's going to be a close back and forth grappling fight. I would not be confident in Allen money line, although I am picking Allen by decision as my official pick. The next fight is in the welterweight division. We have Mickey Gall taking on Mike Perry. The opening betting line for this one was Perry minus 150 to Gall plus 120. Right now we are seeing Perry minus 290 to Gall plus 245. So I don't know anybody who actually bet that uh Perry minus 150 line. It might not even have been a real line at some point, but that's what it says on best fight odds. It's quite hard to believe though. But where the line sits at now with Perry at almost a 3-1 to one favorite, I think the line is actually accurate because he's just the massively better striker than Mickey Gall in this spot. And Mickey Gall is going to have to hit takedowns to win this fight. And I just don't think that we've seen enough wrestling ability from Gall to think that he can take Perry down. Perry is not a terrible defensive grappler. He has uh, defended some takedowns from decent guys like Alex Oliveira and has actually hit his own takedowns from time to time. So I don't think that uh, Perry will be 
get get taken down easily. I don't think that he will get dominated on the mat at all. But I do think that Perry dominates the striking here and likely lands a knockout on Mickey Gall here. I mean, the way Mickey Gall just rushes in to the pocket and is open for those counter left hooks. I mean, Salim Tuhari landed a few hard left hooks on Gall because Gall was just entering in the pocket in such a predictable way. And for Mike Perry, a, a talented striker with great power, I think that he has a great chance at knocking Mickey Gall out very early in this fight. But got to be a bit concerned because Mike Perry, not the most reliable guy. He could get taken down. He could get stuck on his back, possibly even submitted here. And I think that that's Mickey Gall's only chance at winning the fight is hitting takedowns and likely hitting a submission. I don't think that Mickey Gall will win a decision. I think if he wins two rounds, I think it's very unlikely that he wins two rounds without getting a submission at some point. So I think a good way to play the fight would be uh, Perry money line and Gall submission, maybe Perry knockout, Gall submission. I think it's extremely likely that Mike Perry gets the knockout here from just uh, how bad Gall's striking defense is on the feet here. So the pick for me is going to be Mike Perry by knockout. You can't be too confident in him because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with Mike Perry. He has no official coaches for this fight. His girlfriend will be the only coach in his corner. But uh, I think that's just kind of like a fun narrative to the fight and nothing that will actually uh, come into play in the actual matchup. So the pick for me, Perry by knockout. I'll go with round one. I think it happens very quickly. And in the main event of the evening in the lightweight division, we have Dustin Poirier taking on Dan Hooker. The opening betting line for this one was Poirier minus 165 to Hooker plus 135. Right now, more action coming in on the favorite. Poirier is now minus 225 to Hooker plus 185. It should be a really fun fight. I'm looking forward to see how these two match up. But honestly, I'm very confident in Dustin Poirier here. I think that Poirier is still a few notches above Dan Hooker. And even though we've seen Hooker massively improve in his last few fights, and even though we saw Poirier lose to Khabib last fight, I still think that Poirier is on another level than Dan Hooker is at this point in their careers. And unless Dustin Poirier has started to decline athletically, which is entirely possible, the guy has fought in the UFC for almost 10 years now at featherweight, lightweight, the best divisions in the UFC against some of the best fighters that have ever fought in the UFC. And it's entirely possible that he starts to decline athletically soon, but I don't think that that time is quite here yet. And I think that he still has a lot left in the tank and probably gets a pretty dominant victory over Dustin Poirier, or over Dan Hooker here, excuse me. So some, some of the advantages that I give to Dustin Poirier is the pocket boxing. And we saw in, in Dan Hooker's fight against uh, Paul Felder, he was landing uh, the, the leg kicks, the calf kicks. He was landing his jab. He was using his reach to outstrike Paul Felder. But once Paul Felder made some reads, he got aggressive and he started getting inside the pocket, throwing combination strikes is when he started to outstrike Dan Hooker. And although Dan Hooker won that fight via decision, according to the judges, I scored that fight for Paul Felder. As a lot of other people did, I thought that he negated the early success of Hooker with the leg kicks and with the jab and was doing more damage with his power punches was getting inside the pocket and was tagging uh, Paul Felder but with the with the fight being in New Zealand with Felder having more visible damage on his face with Hooker getting the takedown in the last 30 seconds around five I completely understand why Hooker got the decision in that one although I do disagree with it and think the wrong fighter won 
So there's a lot of similarities in that matchup. I think that Hooker might have success with his jab and with his inside uh, leg kick versus Poirier, but Poirier will, will get inside the pocket. He will start landing counters. And I think Dustin Poirier's fight against Justin Gaethje is a great analog for this fight because Gaethje had a lot of success with his leg kicks in the orthodox stance. He was lighting up Poirier's inside leg with that leg kick, but Poirier was able to adapt and was able to realize that he needs to start throwing his counter left hand every single time Justin Gaethje leg kicks. And that's exactly what led to the knockout in the fourth round. Gaethje threw an inside leg kick. Poirier sat down on the left hand, rocked Gaethje, and got the finish. And I think that that's just very similar to what happens here. Uh, Hooker might go for those uh, leg kicks, but he's going to get countered hard and discouraged from throwing them anymore. And Hooker's going to want to keep this fight uh, at range where he can use his reach advantage. And I just don't think that he will be able to do it. I think that Poirier has the better footwork. He's going to be pressuring. He's going to be getting inside the pocket. And he's going to start to outbox Dan Hooker. And it really just comes down to the pocket boxing. And I think that Poirier is the much better pocket boxer. He's got more power in his hands. He's the more fluid puncher and i think that poirier ends up doing a lot of damage with his punches and negates that reach advantage from hooker so the pick for me is going to be poirier by tko in round four or five could even see a decision because uh, hooker is really tough but i think that the accumulated damage from poirier's punches ends up catching up with hooker and he ends up getting finished in rounds four or five here so if Poirier's money line drops under 200, I will definitely bet him. Uh, might even end up on him at minus 220 if the odds stay the same because I am extremely confident in Poirier. I would give his chances more at around 75-80%. And think that the only way he loses this fight is if he is uh, athletically declined, not the same fighter he once was a few fights ago like versus Max Holloway. And he just uh, can't take a punch the same. He can't get inside uh, on Hooker and gets outstruck at range. But I think that's very unlikely. And I think that Poirier gets his hand raised on Saturday night. And I'm very confident in the Diamond to win. So that is going to do it for the podcast this week. I will have all of my official bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. But just a quick run through. Got one unit on K Hansen, minus 135. 1.5 units on Yusef Zalal, plus 100. Two units on the under two and a half rounds in the Sato Brahima fight. Uh, 1.5 units on the Linz Bosser fight to go the decision. And a uh, half a unit on Dockhouse decision plus 605. One unit on Dockhouse money line plus 270. And that is going to do it for the official bets I have so far. Also have some action on Mike Perry by knockout at minus 135. So that is going to be all for the official action. Once again, Bet MMA Tips is where I post all my official bets before the events. You can see that in uh, my Twitter, the YouTube description of the video, and that's how you see all the official plays. So that's going to do it for the podcast this week. Hope you all enjoyed it, and I will see you all in two weeks for UFC 251. Peace. Peace.